Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. I've been doing this for 20 years now. I don't know how many baptisms I've done, but that one got to me because um, I've known Duck a long time, and uh, that was awesome. Um, and I know he has some friends here. If you were laying down money, no, the water did not boil when he entered. So it was, <laughs> dispel that rumor. Um, I, I got a heavy subject to deal with this morning. I'm going to try to keep it, keep it as simple and as quick as I can. I, talking about evil and, and suffering, and why is it that a good, all-powerful God would allow evil and suffering in his creation. This is a, a number one complaint you hear from atheists. If you listen to Bill Maher and those guys, they'll say, well, wait, wait a minute, if, if God is good and God is all-powerful, there should be no evil, there should be no suffering. I used that argument when I was an atheist. I understand the argument. Now, Christians have disagreed about this over the last 2,000 years. Some say it's just a mystery. Deuteronomy 29, 29, secret things belong to the Lord. We don't know why. Others say, no, no, no. There could actually be good reason that God allows this to happen. Number one, all right, and these all points are all laid out in your bulletin there, but number one, suffering produces character. It is unfortunate that because we are the beings that we are, and we have a tendency to be selfish. If you don't think that's true, wait till you get in the parking lot when you leave. Right? I mean, this just happens. We are selfish beings. We spend 24-7 with ourselves. We typically think about ourselves more than anything else. We are selfish beings. We fight against that, but it's there. We like to believe. We think about other people and have compassion and empathy and all that kind of stuff. But if we are just left to our own devices, we are selfish, self-focused people. And so God sometimes will allow suffering in order to grow us up, to get us to quit focusing just on ourselves and focus more on God. Why is it? Think about this. For those of you who are Christians, when in the time of your life have you prayed the hardest? Probably when you were suffering. Or someone you love was suffering. That's when you pray the hardest. Why is that? You never see somebody, if they, you know, you never ever see somebody pray so hard as when they're sick or somebody else is sick or something like that or going through a divorce or going through a breakup, whatever. Then they pray hard. You never see people pray hard out of joy. I've yet to see a Christian just down on their knees crying. What's wrong? I'm just so happy God is so good. 20 years, I haven't seen that. I do see my son, my daughter, my wife. My, I see that. Hardest I've ever prayed. Son woke up one morning, many, many years ago. He woke up, and he said, Daddy, I have a headache. I said, well, okay, buddy. We'll get you some water, and if we have to, we'll get you a Tylenol or something. And he goes, yeah, Daddy, but my, my jaw feels funny. Automatically, alarms go off. I take him to the doctor. The doctor says, 
I don't know, we mean the testing for meningitis. And I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. I got down on my knees, and I prayed harder than I have ever prayed in my life. Why does it take that to get us there? We're designed to be in relationship with God, but we treat that relationship so casually, just like it's almost something on the fringe, like God is an acquaintance, just somebody we know and say hi to. Instead of being at the foot of the throne, at the foot of the cross. J. Warner Wallace, who you remember, been here a couple times, cold case homicide detective, now a Christian apologist. Jim wrote this on his blog. I put it there in your uh, bulletin. He said, a good God values character over comfort. Creature comforts are temporary, but character transcends time. It shouldn't surprise us that a transcendent God, that means a God all-powerful above time, all that kind of stuff, that a transcendent God would understand the difference even when we don't. Unfortunately, character is often best developed as a result of temporary pain and suffering. Patience, determination, the will to persevere, and the ability to retain hope all results from the trials and tribulations of life. God may allow some level of temporary pain and suffering in order to develop our eternal transcendent character. That's how we grow. If you have a problem, you have a real issue, and you need to talk to somebody. Do you go see some wealthy teenager who's spoiled rotten? Or do you go see somebody with a little bit of white in their hair who's been through it? You go through somebody with a little bit of white in their hair. I, I remember very well um, when I used to raise money for a Christian nonprofit out of Arizona. There was a guy who donated money outside of Columbus. And I would go visit him. He was elderly. World War II veteran, not just a World War II veteran, he was on Normandy Beach on D-Day. I remember one time we were sitting, he had these two rocking chairs on his front porch, and I'm sitting there in one of the rocking chairs talking to him, he's telling me about D-Day, and I said, ask the stupidest question I've ever asked, and that's saying something. I said, were you scared? He looked over at me like, what? <laughs> he said, we all had to change our shorts. He said, we had German machine gun bullets flying all around us. Yeah, we were scared. And that guy, because he's been through all of that, lost a wife, cancer, all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of person that if I had a problem, I would seek out. Because people who have had a rough life and come out of the other end, still with the smile on their face and the ability to praise God, is somebody you can learn from. That's someone you can go to. People who get whatever they want and they lead an easy life, they may be happy, but they're also shallow. People who walk between the raindrops are not somebody that's going to help someone else. That's just the way it works. I remember I got so irritated, that, that guy. His grandkids did not feel the same way. His grandkids kind of treated him like some kind of oddity that was there. Hi, Pop Pop, how are you? You know, anything today, Pop Pop? You know, that way. And I just wanted to smack him. I was like, Pop Pop has confirmed kills. You realize that, right? <laughs> this guy's taking down Nazis. What have you done? You know, go, go back and play your video game, right? And so, but that's a person you can learn from. It's unfortunate that tragedy does that to us, that, that suffering, it takes that suffering to get us to become wiser, more compassionate better people. 
You can learn from those people. You can learn from those people. I had a buddy when I was in seminary. He had a summer internship at a church in Malibu, California. Not a bad gig. But this one week, a child had died. SIDS. And at the end of the service, they had a tradition, if anybody wanted to come up and make a quick prayer request or praise report or, or whatever, they would do that. The mother of that child got up at the end of the service and started walking forward, and my buddy thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, this could be bad. She grabbed the mic and choked out through tears. I still believe. That's a woman you can learn from. Suffering produces character. Creature comforts don't. And I understand nobody wants to suffer, nobody wants to deal with this. I've been, I, I think I've been pretty transparent that, you know, I value comfort way too much. It's my main sin. The big sin that I wrestle with is I want to be comfortable all the time. It's like last night, I told the congregation, it's like it was 4 o'clock, I was sitting on my couch, I had a bag of Doritos, I had Netflix, I had Diet Coke, and I was like, oh, I gotta go preach. Even I wanted to smack myself. It's like, what's wrong with you, idiot? But that's what I want. I just, I just want to be comfortable. But comfort does not help you grow closer to God. Suffering gets you closer to God. And the closer to God you are, the more character you have. The more character you have, the more you can help other people. Does that make sense? That's number one. Number one. Number two. Now, I want you to hear me on this, because a lot of people here, I mean, I'm not picking on anybody in particular, a lot of people have come up to me over the years here and said, Matt, why would God allow such and such to happen? I'm a good person. I pay my taxes. I do all kinds of stuff. Why would God allow these things to happen to me? And I say, it's not God. It's another sinful human being that did it to you. Because free will, we all have free will, and free will always produces the possibility of evil. If you give people real choices, sometimes they make bad, hurtful, painful choices. That's not on God. That's on them. They did that. We have all done that to others and had to ask forgiveness for it. A few years ago, a group put out a, a video, a short video, that tells it better than I can. So, Chris, roll it. Is God good? If he is, why is there suffering and evil? Let's assume for the moment that God is all-powerful. This means that God can do anything that is logically possible. So he can create galaxies and subatomic particles and rainforests and you. But God cannot do what is logically impossible. He cannot make a square circle or a one-ended stick. So can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? No. So what if when God created human beings, he wanted them to be free? Freedom's a good thing. But if humans are to be free, they cannot be forced to obey God. Because freedom without choice is like a square circle. It's a logical contradiction. No choice, no freedom. God didn't want robots. He wanted real people, 
the first humans endowed with the awesome power of free choice abuse their freedom. The tragic consequences of their bad choice and our bad choices ripple across the world. God is responsible for the fact of freedom, but humans are responsible for their acts of freedom. But let's remember, we don't suffer alone. God will put an end to suffering and evil. And God became a man to suffer with us. God is good, and he wants real people like you to know him. But the free choice is yours. Make sense? I, I hear this, why would God, why would God, why would God? God had nothing to do with it. People did it. And because we have the freedom to do good things and evil things, we have both. And it's just the way it is because God wants us to have a real relationship with him, to freely come to him and say, you are my God, please forgive me, help me to worship you, help me to grow closer to you. He wants you to freely do that on your own, which brings me to another objection that's kind of in this area. Some people say, yeah, but okay, Matt, but... If God sees that an evil person is about to do an evil act, why doesn't he intervene and just stop it? I said, if he did that over and over and over and over again, are we freely believing in God? If we're seeing miracle after 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 miracle, you're not freely coming to God. You're just like, well, water's wet, sky's blue, God does this stuff. You're not coming in faith to him if he does that. Does that make sense? So, you've got to understand, and, and we do this all the time. What, this is one of the reasons why. Some of you have gotten irritated with Dad over the years, which I understand, but it, it, irritated because sometimes, hey, you try living with him, okay? Um, because he says things like, you know, he's married a lot of you, and he's, he said when you got married, you've got to place God first in your relationship. The reason he says that is, is not, to, you know, for any other reason than this. Other human beings make lousy gods. They will fail you. Any human being, I don't care how smart they are. I don't care how hot they are. I don't care. At some point, they will disappoint you. I'm looking, seeing how many wives sitting there going, yeah. Uh, so they will. You cannot place all your ultimate faith in another human being. You need to place it in God because God will never fail you. People will. So that's why my priority list is God first, Megan second, my son. That's how that goes, and that's how it has to go. It just is. People will abuse their free will, and they will hurt you. They will disappoint you. God will never do that, ever. How are we doing so far? Are we tracking? Are we good? All right. Number three, keep this in mind. It's a matter of perspective. See, and I took this from Jay Warner Wallace, too. He says this all the time. He said, here's the problem we have. Here's why we get so irritated and angry when a bad thing happens in our life. Because we typically view our life as the one here on earth for the 70, 80 years we get. 
And so if you view all of life as birth to death at old age, in my sleep, and if that's how you view life, then you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be frustrated, and you're going to be angry because from birth to if you get those 80 years, you're going to have some rough spots. You're going to have health problems. You're going to have, and so what we do is say, God, not fair, not fair, not fair. And I understand that. If that's how you view life, if that's it, I understand saying not fair. But if our life is eternal, does that perspective change? We are all created by God to be eternal beings. We exist eternally either in heaven or in hell. That's where one of us, we're all headed to, you know, that destination. One of those two. As a pastor and a lawyer, I get a special spot no matter where I end up. But if, I, if you view your life and say, okay, I thought I was going to get 70, 80 years. I only got 20 because I got hit by a drunk driver. Then, of course, that's tragic. But then if that person has faith in Jesus Christ, they still have an eternity. That 20-some years was the shortest part of their existence. And so it's a matter of perspective. This life can be rough. It can be frustrating. And it's, you just have to expect that is how it's going to be at times. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, what awaits you is more amazing than you can possibly imagine. There's a reason why the Bible doesn't talk about heaven a lot, because how can you use words to describe that? Some things you just can't. You just can't. Number four. I promise you I'm not going to keep you here all day. We'll be done soon. We're circling the runway. Number four. God is not the author of evil. He is not. Look at James. Book of James, chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. James writes, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. God does not tempt somebody to go shoot up a school. God does not tempt somebody to get behind the wheel of a car when they're high or drunk. God does not tempt people to do that. Those are our own evil desires within us. You don't blame God. We, we should blame ourselves. Because that's where it's coming from. Now, one other thing. Okay, so what I've been dealing with so far has been what they call the moral problem of evil. People doing evil things to other people. Bible is clear. God does not tempt people to do that. We are free. When you're free, you have the possibility of doing these horrible things. Some people say, well, wait a minute, Matt. What about tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes and tsunamis and all that kind of stuff? Natural evil. And I always say, hold on a second. Take a step back. 
For example, I kid about this a lot, but in all seriousness, if you go into the ocean, you're going into the shark's house. And you know that. So have you taken a risk yourself? And you're going to turn around and blame God when something comes up, critter comes up and bites you? When I was 16, I moved to Hollywood. I knew when I moved to Los Angeles that there were a couple things I was going to need to deal with. Wildfires, which you've seen, mudslides on the rare occasion when it does actually rain in Southern California, and of course, earthquakes. I knew if you move to California, you're living on a fault line. So if an earthquake happens, you can't go, why God, you moved there? You take that risk. I didn't care for it myself. I got out of there as soon as I could. Two years, I was out. Because I remember my very first earthquake. I was sitting in a guy named Brad Schmidt's apartment. He was a buddy of my brother's. They were having a conversation. They'd been living in, in Hollywood for five or six years. Earthquake hits. I'm like this. They don't even stop their conversation. Because you live in Los Angeles long enough, you just get used to it. I'm looking over and freaked out. I go, guys, the earth doth move. We need to find a plane now. I'm like, ah, you get used to it. And they do. I was driving over Laurel Canyon, going to work, and, and I was in one lane, an earthquake hits, I get bounced into the other lane. And a Chevy Blazer. The radio, the DJ, interrupts a song that was playing, puts on ACDCs, you shook me all night long. I'm like, you people think this is funny? No wonder Hollywood's so full of sickos. You guys are weird. But you know that. We're seeing what's happened in, in Hawaii, and people are like, oh, the volcano. Who doesn't know if you live in Hawaii, they have volcanoes? Everyone knows. The whole islands, all the islands are volcanoes. So you take that risk. My headquarters used to be in Phoenix, Arizona. I used to have to go out there a couple times a year. Hated it. Hot. Every single person I know who'd lived there long enough had been stung by a scorpion. They crawl in under your door, and then to try to get warm, they crawl up with you in bed, and if you move the wrong way, bam. I've known several have been bitten by rattlesnakes. I was out jogging one morning. I get up, and I'm out running, and I hear, ch -ch 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 -ch. look over, there he was. I said, that's all right, Hoss, you stay over there, I'll stay over here. Respect your space. But I tell us that there are dust storms, there are snakes, there are scorpions. What else, what does God have to do? Put up a no trespassing sign? You shouldn't live there, dummies. There are some places you should not live. Right? Okay, so don't, why, why then blame God? If you live in Tornado Alley and a tornado hits, well, guess what? I lived in Abilene, Texas. That's, that's the very linchpin of the beginning of Tornado Alley. First thing I asked, where are the basements? I want, I want a concrete basement. Where is it? Where is it? They got fallout shelters? Perfect. I'll go there. And as soon as that siren goes, you go. And if you don't, if you're just standing out there like some idiots do, and they put them on Instagram or whatever, going, it's the tornado. It touched down. And they die. Don't sit there and go, how could God allow that? That idiot walked out in front of a tornado. That's not God. That's him. So I don't believe in this thing called natural disasters. I don't believe that God is morally 
culpable for evil. We are. We do that. And the fifth thing you got to keep in mind is this. It's hot up here. God will ultimately triumph over evil. Revelation 21.4. Throw it up there. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. God is not responsible for the evil in this world. But he will fix it. There will come a day, no one knows when, only God knows, when Jesus will return, he will judge the living and the dead, and he will renew heavens and the earth. And the one thing he moves out of there are unbelievers, one, Satan and his demons, two, keep in mind, Satan does not reign in hell. Hell is punishment for Satan. The Bible's very clear about that. Satan is not in hell. He's on the earth. He does not want to go to hell. This is why the demons beg Jesus when he throws them out. Please don't send me there yet. Don't send me into the abyss. So you've got to keep that in mind. God will triumph over evil. The way things are are not the way they're going to stay. You have health problems, there'll come a day when you won't have health problems anymore. You have uh, addiction, there will come a day where there'll be no temptation for addiction anymore. You have stress, you have worry, you have anxiety. I understand that. I got a letter from the IRS this week saying, hey, we may audit you. Thanks. I was getting a return of like 11 bucks. Just keep it, okay? I don't, it's called even. Um, Stress, anxiety, worry, that stuff goes away. There come a day, all of that goes away. It's gone. God will cast it all aside. He takes temptation out of the mix. He fixes us, the brokenness within us. That day will come. So keep in mind, you see something happen in the world. We see another shooting. We see a so-called natural disaster. That's not God. And the simple fact is, if our grandfather Adam had just stomped on the snake's head, we wouldn't have this problem at all. But that's the way it is, and we do. But it will end one day. Now, I understand this is heady stuff. I understand this is not easy to understand. I understand that when you're in suffering, especially, it's difficult to understand. I get all of that. And nobody wants you to suffer, even though suffering produces character. But if you're suffering, we're praying for you. More importantly, Ralph is praying for you. Yes, as one, one woman said here at church, I'm pretty sure he's got a direct line to the throne room. I said, yeah, pretty much. So we don't want you to suffer, but if you do, if you find yourself in that, don't waste it. Let it teach you. Let it grow you. Let it, you get closer to God. Because the closer we are to God, the better we are with each other. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that even though you are not responsible for evil, 
you have promised to fix it. And more importantly, you suffered yourself. You came down from your throne room, put on flesh, and died in our place for our sins to save us. You have suffered more than we would ever know. And so may we keep that in mind, praise you, thank you, even in the midst of suffering. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, if you got kids in promised land, it may be a few minutes before they finish their crafts. Um, otherwise, you are free to go. God goes with you. God bless you. Save me a seat at the restaurant, all right? Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.